Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's another episode of Business of Film, episode number 36. My name is Jesse Eichmann, and you're listening to a crafttruck.com podcast. All right. This episode is all about digital media strategy and how filmmakers can get their films out in front of audiences and what's driving conversion rates. Now, we're not just talking about DIY stuff. We're talking about uh, larger budget movies as well. Uh, Mark's been involved with some wonderful pictures, including Exit Through the Gift Shop and Senna and a host of others. He comes on the show today and he shares uh, really a dense amount of knowledge, uh, insightful, actionable, uh, tactical things that you can do when thinking about your film. And also he talks about, of course, how his company approaches film and the marketing and distribution of it. So enjoy this episode, uh, crafttrack.com backslash BOF if you want to check out the show notes. And sorry, backslash BOF uh, 36 if you want to check out the show notes. And uh, here we go. Mark Schiller. I wanted to get you on the show because we have had the opportunity to work together on a project. And, I, and, and as, I, as we started out, uh, I really enjoy and continue to enjoy the process of working with you and your team and everything that you've been doing. So I thought it would be great to get you on the show so you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do. So maybe you can just take a moment and describe what uh, what your company and you are all about. Absolutely. Um, so I've been kind of in the marketing mix of, of, of independent films for the last, I don't know, seven or eight years. And we've had some great success looking at films like Exit Through the Gift Shop and Senna and The Imposter and a whole range of films where we look to push the marketing as much as we could into new areas so that we could reach people in new ways and and, and really look at how technology could um, just provide a, a more efficient platform to market independent films. And as we started looking at the films closer, we realized there was a great opportunity to expand into the distribution side um, and and really look at how innovation in the tech space could be applied and adapted to um, to the film world, which really has not happened much. I mean, in the last few years, you know, you can't open the newspaper and not read about a new startup that's looking at um, innovation in um, digital advertising or innovation in app development or innovation in, um, in communication delivery of, of messages. You know, and all of these things have been happening, but none of it really has been leveraged by the film industry. I mean, we don't use what online retailers use. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we moved first to start to experiment and start to do what um, the traditional distributors just weren't set up to do, and that was to be agile and to embrace um, things that we're coming out of Silicon Valley and coming out of tech startups um, and just to be able to to deliver ultimately more value back to the filmmakers so that um, that filmmaking can continue to be a sustainable business for 
great creatives who want to make sure that they can tell their stories through cinema. Um, and it's in early days. We're you know we're 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 always testing new things and pushing things forward. Um, uh, but we've you know we've worked been working with a great community of filmmakers that are eager and hungry to become entrepreneurs in a way and, and to look at their films um, in, in, in unique ways. And, um, and that's really what Bond has been set up to do. So uh, as you started describing your, your company, I noticed that you, you put two very interesting things together. And I think you did that meaningfully and purposefully. And it, and it, it sounds to me like it's ingrained in the ideology of, of what your company is. But those two words are marketing and distribution. And as I put those those two things together, it sounds to me that you're applying all of the marketing insights that you're getting from, as you said, kind of that the the tech world. So it's applying almost that that tech savvy marketing uh, philosophy to the distribution of films. So would that be sort of a a, a, a way to characterize the company? Uh, because you're you're not just a marketer and you're not just a distributor, but you're really trying to marry those two things together in a very interesting way. Absolutely. And, and, and you're hitting the nail on the head when you're really talking about those two sides coming together. And, you know, it was shocking to me. I mean, I was very fortunate when, you know, when we got back into marketing film and really looking at independent film, um, the film that I was able to really experiment with was first was exit through the gift shop, a film that, um, Banksy uh, put together and realized that he didn't want to sell the film after a great premiere at Sundance. He wanted to to distribute it with more control over his image and and the marketing and everything. And so I became part of a, a small team that was developed to release the film. And we really had a war room mentality in the sense that it was a small group and we sat around a table and every idea was a good idea. Every good idea was supported by the team. But what was interesting for me is that I learned the minutia of distribution from the um, from the the gift of his time from a guy named Richard Abramowitz, who had been booking movie theaters for you know decades. Um, and Richard and I became good friends, and we. We would talk, you know, hours and hours every day. He would share with me his distribution knowledge, and I would share my marketing knowledge. And I learned about individual movie theaters, what what happens when a print gets shipped, and all of these things that a marketer has never been invited to to hear. And and some marketers might say, I don't have time to be on a call about distribution, you know, I'm my my job is to come up with a creative campaign. I don't want to hear, you know, I'm not going to sit on a call and hear about whether we're going to be in this theater or that theater in in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I mean, that that's not what I do. But because the project was set up with this all hands on deck mentality and there wasn't divisions between the different departments, I, I, I learned an incredible amount and I was able to use that knowledge to become a better marketer. So for me, that was the key to the whole thing was that marketing and distribution would never be separated. And 
what happened was is that that though I did Senna and then after after X I did Senna and after Senna I did a bunch of movies and then the distributors started to call me to you know to to help them on campaigns for their releases which I loved and embraced um, but what was really for me disappointing is that most of those distributors separated marketing from distribution and PR from marketing. So you would be on a PR call or you'd be on a marketing call or you'd be on a distribution call. But nobody wanted to talk about all three of those things to the entire team. And I saw how inefficient it was to not have integration between the two. So when we set out to launch Bond 360, the first thing was that marketing and distribution would be completely intertwined and you wouldn't be able to separate the two. Um, so, and so, we benefited from that. Yeah, so and, it's interesting because uh, people can bandy about the word 360 and you know we're going to take a 360 approach to this and it's all very well and good to, to say that. But in, in your estimation – what does that really mean? I mean, cause I, I, I totally hear everything yeah. that, that you're saying coming right up to basically this question, which is, okay, that's all well and good, but walk me through the practicality of that as a filmmaker. I'm, I'm working with, with you, let's say, and yeah. you want to apply this philosophy. Well, what does that really mean? Exactly. So, um, exactly. And, and I don't want the 360, you know, to be just a, a marketing branding Thing I want it to be real, and 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 I and I'll explain to you how it works. It starts with data, right? So up until now, there has never really been a focus on aggregating the data of the people that want to buy our movies and end up buying the films. And part of that is because is that up until recently, we've always gone through other other marketplaces to sell movies. So. You know, when we sell our films on iTunes, iTunes is a extremely powerful, you know, retailer, and they deliver the customer um, to our, you know, to, to sales. So they own the customer, and they should. I mean, they, they've set up an incredible infrastructure, and if you buy on iTunes, you're an iTunes customer. And as a film, you know, marketer, we, we encourage people to buy on iTunes, and we should. Um, and they should buy on Amazon, and they should buy on on any place that can bring customers to discover our films. But the 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 reality is is that we then have no data on these people, and the same goes for movie theaters. We we spend a lot of money marketing our films to tell people to go to theater X or theater Y. And when they buy a ticket, they're buying a ticket from either the movie theater directly or Fandango, and they own the data. Um, and so what it means is, is that it's left us with almost no data. You know, some filmmakers will put on their website, you know, sign up for newsletters. And some are really good at, at, at maintaining that relationship, and some um, don't have the time or don't see the value. So there really isn't a lot of data. So what we did was we said, okay, well, let's start from the perspective of aggregating as much of the data as possible about our, our, you know, the people that are buying our films. That's very, very difficult because most films, the sales agents and others have chopped up all of the different ways of selling the film 
to different companies. And nobody is communicating or sharing that data. And I'll be candid with you. There's a lot of films that are Bond 360 films where there's gaps because there's a disbursement of all of these different ways of selling a movie. So the goal of Bond 360 is to put all of the data into one organized central place and then create incredible efficiencies so that you don't have to re-find a person that buys these movies. And partly Bond is doing that by taking into Bond as much of the work as possible. So, for example, if we have a film like Sign Painters, which is a great independent film that's sold on iTunes and sold direct on the website, there's a book, there's events that are happening, there's... um, products that are going to be rolled out. If all of the data is in one place, we can act as a retailer and we have the ability to sell out events without any advertising. We can make a t-shirt and sell out hundreds of, of, um, of uh, uh, t-shirts with no advertising. And it's because the data is all being centralized. And for, for the first time, using technologies like VHX and Gumroad and others, we can actually know who bought our films and then see how we can go deeper with them. Now, this I'm, I've got to say, though, that this is not a panacea for other issues, meaning that if a movie is not selling, it's not going to sell in a Bond 360 model any better than it would sell in any model. For movies that are really able to go deep into a community, and if they connect and they they work, then um, this model can bring a lot of value and revenue. Um, but it has to be the right film And it also has to be the right circumstances so that the environment is there to do it. And I love to share the data. So for me, if somebody's doing educational and somebody's doing international and somebody's doing it, I'm not saying that I want to own all of the data and not have, I want the filmmakers to make as much money as possible. So if it means me giving the data to a home entertainment company or a a products company, I would do that in a second. The reality is, is that, most people don't ask for it, and they, they don't know what to do with it. Now, out of curiosity, have you aggregated the data across films to get a more global picture of, the, I don't want to say, you know, quote-unquote, the average consumer, but uh, have you actually gone through, through the exercise of taking all the data that you've done across the multiple uh, films and genres and pulled any insights out of that, or has all the data analysis been on a film-by-film basis? It's both. So uh, from an analysis standpoint, we're starting to look at baselines and trends and then applying them against a slate of films. And we haven't yet cross-promoted films so that if somebody buys one film, we can create a connection to another film. We have to find the right way to do that because we don't want to have people feel like that we're spamming them or that we're constantly selling, selling, selling. But at the same time, we want to make sure that if you really love comedy films or you really love um, sports films, that if we have a great film, 
that's in that genre or that category or, or other types of ways of categorizing things that we can, we can bring you something special. We're trying to figure that part out now. But yes, in terms of your question, do we know kind of at this point what to expect? The answer is yes, and we're constantly trying to use the analytics to get smarter. And by the way, I want to start to publish a lot of that analytics as well so that we're able to share that with others. Bond360 is not meant to be kind of, you know, keep all of the information, you know, proprietary and and be extremely competitive. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to put a filmmaker in a position where I'm releasing sales numbers and other things without discussing it with them. But I want Bond360 to be as open source as possible. And probably one day, all of the tools that we make for categorizing our, our, our fans and for marketing and social media and all of the things that we develop here, you know, ultimately I want to make that available for other filmmakers to use even if they're not working with, with, with us at Bond. Well, on that sort of train of thought, what would you say are some of the uh, higher learning or insights, uh, actionable or otherwise, that you've pulled out of the films that you've done to date. So, yeah. when you look just at started, the new film, you know, well, yeah, just, just, yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear just what. I think about one that I'm kind of obsessed with, to be honest with you, and that's conversion rates, because it's not something that's sexy or people are like, oh, your conversion rate is X. But ultimately, it's the key to the whole thing, right? I mean, the truth is, you can't sell more than what the traffic is for somebody coming to a website or buying, right? So the reason why iTunes and Amazon all works really, really great for filmmakers if their film connect is that Amazon has a ton of customers that they can, that they, that they can put a film in front of. iTunes has a ton of customers that they can, you know, promote a movie to. But let's say it's your website and you're selling a DVD off of your website, right? Most people don't look at the, the, the traffic numbers because those are analytics and what have you. But the reality is, is that you, you know, you, the reason why you do PR and the reason why you do marketing is just to drive more people to the website because if people aren't coming to the website, you're not going to sell anything because there's, there's nobody to sell to, right? So that's the first metric is just, is our traffic high enough um, to make any money, to be candid with you? But, this, but the most important conversion, the most important um, metric is actually conversion, so that's the percentage of people that come to the website that actually buy it. And standard retail is right around 3%. So that means that if you have, you know, 1,000 customers, coming, 1,000 people coming to your website, 3% of those people should become buyers if you're using kind of standard metrics that retailers have used for a while now. So what happens if you are below 3%? You know, that means that your pricing might be too high or people that are coming are not necessarily really the right people. Um, What happens if your conversion rate is above 3%? Then you're doing great. You know, that means that actually you're hitting the right people. You just need more of those people. So what we've been doing is really looking at conversion rates and then going back to the filmmakers where when we see the conversion rates drop below, let's say, 2% and saying, hey, let's, let's do a promotion. Let's, let's discount, 
discount it. Um, but as you know, one of the challenges that we have is that there's a lot of barriers to simple things like discounting. Sometimes a DVD distributor sets a minimum price. Sometimes iTunes has a price that you don't want to go below. So we're constantly working to try to figure out the right mix. Right. And I think it's actually interesting that you you approach it from that respect because at the end of the day, it's just how do you drive traffic and what does that traffic convert to? And it's it sounds possibly ultra simple, but it is at the core of everything. Uh, right. And it's probably something that as a filmmaker, you don't necessarily think about. Um, so on the topic of how do you just increase the amount of people that show up to your uh, up, to, up to your page? What are the methods that you guys are employing? And I, I I'd love it if you could take this answer beyond just Facebook and Twitter. But I'd also love to get you, how you are currently thinking about those two platforms as well, because they're both, to me at least, both Facebook and Twitter, they're kind of the the monsters. And yeah, yeah it's great to say these are kind of the, the global killers when it comes to social media. But at the end of the day, how effective are they really? Exactly. So so let's, let's go through kind of the, the key thing. So one is PR, right? So one is pitching the talent or the director or reviews and just driving PR, digital PR. So we put a lot of emphasis on that. We, we also keep it ongoing. Not that every week you're going to have a new interview or a new article, but our team never drops a movie. It could be seven months after we started on the movie and the movie was released. We still want to continue to get PR because with PR we can hopefully drive traffic to the website. And uh, I'm, I'm going to cut you off right there because nope. I, I actually want to vouch for you on that point because yeah. we've been working with you now on our film for the last uh, many months and that is one particular point that, uh, and I, I don't think I've actually had the opportunity to even share this with you so I'm kind of sharing this with our audience in general but the one thing that I found so refreshing about your company was that I've never felt the film was dropped. I'm always seeing promotion out there in some way or another. So I just wanted to tip my hat to you guys for that in, a, I guess, a public way. But Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And I'll tell you why, specifically why we don't drop it. And most people would drop films once they see sales drop. They're not going to continue to PR something if, if nobody's buying it. The, the reason why we PR everything and we don't drop a film is because the philosophy is, is that if you can infiltrate a subculture, or if you you if you if you're able to chip away and chip away and chip away at your core audience, eventually they'll come to understand that the movie is not just a release that took place on April 29th on iTunes, but they'll see the movie as part of the center of their. Um, of their community. And we work on movies where that becomes the case. They're really good movies that should be perennial films. You should, every year, I, I, I want people to seek out Senna. Every year, people should find sign painters. I mean, I don't look at the films that we work on as kind of star-driven romantic comedies where they had their big promotion and then they go into kind of catalog 
and they're kind of, well, that movie came out in 2012, you know, so it's old. Well, you know, sign painters should be relevant to typography fans and designers and advertising people every year at an equal amount. I mean, there shouldn't be any reason why the movie just fades into oblivion. And if you continue to chip away, and a lot of the press hits are not really sexy, they're not the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal that everybody loves to be in. They might be in comedy blogs or cultural blogs or things that you've never heard of, but the core fan relies on those media outlets for their the purity of their of their community and I don't know if purity is the right word but the the connection and I learned this through my my own experience with a blog that I set up 12 years ago on street art called woostercollective.com the blog became this huge thing for people that were interested in art and we never tried to be a broader magazine or we never tried to be you know bigger than what the subject was and because of that the audience while it was tiny compared to a major newspaper let's say was so concentrated that we could sell out product we could we could we we could we had an incredible amount of control so so I'm every answer I'm giving is a long answer to your questions, but so I want to continue to chip away. So somebody says, "Oh my God, that movie is part of our our you know I've got to see it," and that's why the press is done that way. And it's not that it drives an incredible amount of sales every time there's a new press hit. It's that it chips away at credibility to say, "My God, this movie really is the movie at the center of that community." Now, there's obviously you got to get scale. So then. So that's PR. So PR is a mixture of broad, niche, all of the above, and never stopping, never giving up. The second part is advertising. We do advertise. It's tricky when it's only one movie because the mathematics don't add up really well. But we do do social media advertising, and we do do broader advertising, not on every movie, but on some that we're seeing the pickup. Um, then after that is just social media, you know, updating the free stuff. And that's where it's becoming less effective. Um, Facebook has made a lot of changes where, you know, the only way to get conversion on Facebook is to repeat every week the same message, the same message. Otherwise, you're really not able to convert without writing Facebook a check. Sometimes it's smart to write that check, but um, but it's the, the days of free advertising or free promotion and marketing in social media they don't really exist anymore. So, what does that mean for, I guess, a filmmaker, or maybe it's just the writings on the wall now? It's it, 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 it's don't, it the, don't play in I, Facebook. <laughs> it means email. I mean, it's not sexy and nobody, you know, you can't, you can't, you know, nobody's going to at a cocktail party, you know, congratulate you on how great your email is. But I got to tell you, the most effective marketing channel for independent films is email. And we've been, you know, trying to put as much of an emphasis on 
you know, on email capture as possible. Because when you think about it, you know, you might not open an email, you might delete it, but emails are always in your inbox. Facebook, they come and they go, and if the timing is not right, you don't see it. Twitter, if you don't log in, you're not going to see it. But email has a very different impact. So if we can get our conversion rates above 40%, let's say, for open rates, we can have a huge impact on email. So I constantly tell filmmakers, build your email list, open up a MailChimp account, you know, build an email list, even if it's 200 names, I don't care what it is, the email channel is going to be the most efficient one that exists. So... I know we're short on time. Uh, cause you, uh, I believe you uh, are. I mean, and I want to thank you for your for, for your time today. There's actually been quite we're just a started. I know. I, I actually feel bad that we are getting started here. I I, I was just getting revved up. I, now now I was just getting. I'm just. I feel like what is it like the you know the you kind of walk up to the starting gate and, and I feel like I'm just getting into the, the starting gates to get going. We have to do, we have to do it again. I think we're going to have to do a, a follow up here because I said I'd, I'd keep this, uh, this particular episode to, to 30 minutes given the time constraints today. But, uh, I, I'd love to have you back on the show. I, I do feel like we are just, just getting warmed up here. And, uh, there has, I mean, there's really a, a, a very dense amount of information here that, that you've gone through. So, Perhaps on a future podcast, we'll have you come back on and we'll, and we'll start to peel away some of the layers of some of the things that you've talked about. But in the interim, maybe you can just tell our listeners how, if they want to connect with you, what's uh, the best way for them to do that in uh, the digital space? Yeah. Um, so I'm on Twitter. So I think uh, it's at it's Mark, M-A-R-C-D Schiller, S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R. That's always a good, a good one. Um, most of our, not all of our films, but but we have a showcase. We're working on a new site, but if you go to bondinfluencefilm.com, there's um, kind of a, a information there, which is always good. Um, but I think Twitter's great. And then, you know, let's let's keep this dialogue going. I mean, it, it's evolving, and, and I would love to share with you, Jesse, and, and your, you know, your audience. I, I love the idea of this podcast, and, you know, as we develop new strategies and and can give some specifics i'd love to continue the dialogue that's great and i think what's what what's awesome about it is as the as more data comes in i think there's going to be more to share so thanks again for your time today mark i really appreciate it have a great rest of the day